Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving. At your desk. Maybe at the gym. But you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach. And see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. <laughs> Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Cricket Unfiltered. It's been a long time since we've all been together. Paul Dennett, how are you? Hey, Menas. Hey, Jaleesa. I'm great. How are you guys? Really good. Um, Reunited. Yeah, we've got Jaleesa's back. The three of us haven't been together for ages. Um, Jaleesa, you're not annoyed at me about anything? No. Why would I be annoyed at you? Just checking. You know, there's a lot of um, ghosting going on in the group chat over the last few days. What? So Where I was just making sure. To? It doesn't matter. I was just asking you questions and stuff that weren't answered. That's all. I just wanted to make sure you weren't annoyed at me. Um, I'm Menace. <laughs> for those listening for the first time, if you've just tuned into Cricket Unfiltered, looking for a cricket podcast, you only need to listen to this and maybe one or two others. Um, you get all your cricket news. Um, we, yeah, sorry for the sort of gap between shows we've done a couple of reaction shows but you know i had covid so i was sort of out of action for a while and it's just been a bit hard to get together but uh, thanks everyone for sticking with us um i also needed probably a bit of time just to get over the whole justin lang and knifing incident um but i've moved past that now as you can hear um so it's Pat classic Cummins couldn't have planned your covid better oh, um <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I must admit, Pat Cummins' brother and I are getting on famously at uh, the great cricket that I've been covering. Um, so anyway, love Pat Cummins, love the Australian cricket team. Uh, it's a new menace for 2022. Um, look, lots of stuff in today's show. We're going to wrap up the <coughs> Sri Lankan series. Then we've got the headlines and um, can't let it go to wrap things up. Let's start, though, with the Australia v Sri Lanka series. Um, you know, we've got lots of questions about the crowd, but I guess, um, Jaleesa, you know, anything on the field that's jumped out to you? Australia have coasted to a three-zip series lead. 
no, except the um, awful concussion of Steve Smith. That was um, terrible to watch. And also I felt like Fox actually showed far too much of it. I was really surprised that they lingered on when he um, got the, got a, you know, hit the ground. Normally what would happen in those, any broadcasters you'd cut away because you don't know what's um, going on, but I thought they showed a bit too much of it. I was a bit distressed by it, and thank goodness he got up and he was okay. But that is just the moment that sort of stands out for me at the moment. But um, it's amazing when you talk about crowds, how many people, when you talk to them about this series, don't even know it's on. And that is, again, once again, the perils of Cricket Australia signing a deal where they put all their white ball cricket behind a paywall. Good point. Very true. My friend the other day, who's quite a strong cricket fan, sent me a message. Who's this? Who's this English bloke? Never heard of him before. And I thought that's um, that wouldn't have happened. Um, I suppose he hasn't played that much. <laughs> he hasn't really played in the Australian side at all. But he's been in and around it. Um, I think that the lack of it on the free to air, the the lack of ads coming up in the you know, coming up next Tuesday, Australia's playing. Tune in at seven thirty and all that sort of stuff. It has just completely vanished from the public. Um, from the public, and it's a long, long way from when David Warner made his debut, and I know it was a different set of circumstances, but when they got, you know, got 80-something thousand at the MCG that night, and it felt so exciting, T20 Cricket internationally, to get 6,000 the other night, and um, I was actually surprised they got that much. What about on the field, Paul? Anything jumped out at you? I said Australia coasted to a three-zip win, but there was a, a tie in the middle there, so it hasn't been all Australia. There was a few overs there where Sri Lanka batted well, but on the field, anything jumped out at you, Paul? Anyone you like for the World Cup? Yeah, I mean, a few things. Firstly, I think Sri Lanka um, have proven what Russell Arnold said during the World Cup, that they're a team on the rise. They've been quite an exciting side, and yeah, they've got beaten pretty badly, but they got that tie and um, they've, they've shown a bit. I've, I've, I've found them quite entertaining to watch. But from an Australian point of view, um, I've actually taken the liberty of selecting my 11 if it was tomorrow for the World Cup final. And um, I'll just read them out. So I'll, I would go. And this is just right now. I'm not um, sticking necessarily with this. Warner, Inglis, Marsh, Maxwell, Tim David, Stoinis, seven is Wade, eight Cummins, nine Agar, 10, Zampa, 11, Hazelwood. So I've finally come around to some of what you guys have been saying. I think Jaleesa, especially that maybe Smith doesn't deserve his spot in the 11. I'd certainly have him in the squad and I'd look at the pitch before the game. And if it's going to be a tough one, then he comes in. But if it's going to be one that is going to be 200, not sure if there's a spot for him. Finch, I'm starting to agree with you, Menas. I rubbished you the other week, but you're probably right. I don't think he's in our best seven. And even Stark or Richardson, I think we possibly should consider the 2-2 rather than the 3-1 in terms of the fast bowler to spinner um, style of things. So, uh, and Where Tim David, I think, I, just, I, I think I put him in the, in the same category as Finch at the moment. He'd be certainly my second 11. I don't think he's quite um, in my first 11. He'd be there and thereabouts. It was a bit disappointing the way he got out last night. It was a good ball from uh, Thixana, I think it was. and But it was kind of that typical way that some of these players get out. I think that... Um, it was a bit disappointing. What about the um, the other thing that stood out for me is the um, turnaround of Josh Hazelwood in the past two years, which we've touched on a little bit of just being this cricketer that wasn't considered for T20. And then when they need a super over, he was the one that they turned to. I think that's partially he's improved, but I also think it's partially that he's consistently been undervalued as a T20 bowler. I've oh, been for a, sure. Yeah, but I think he certainly has taken another step up, but... 
you know, six foot five bloke that bowls a heavy ball and a good length, uh, the sort of McGrath style of bowler, they're, they're never going to be anything other than useful. Yeah, he was always put into this weird category. I think we all thought was unfair of someone who wasn't a T20 bowler, but um, he is certainly, and, and it's interesting when he was talking in his post-match press conference, he was really reflecting on his own, what he's done to change that. And I kind of felt like unmuting myself and being like, no, Josh, I think they realised that you actually were good. Well, it's so sad that, I mean, he, he forced his way in at the expense of Cummins in the 2015 World Cup and was played a pivotal role in Australia winning. And we at the time in 2019 were all aghast that they didn't pick him in the 50-over World Cup for, for England because they were yeah. saving him for the Ashes or just whatever reason. But that was a mistake, and it's good that they've finally realised how good he is. It just shows, though, that, um, you know, players can develop and Maxwell said on the coverage and I think he wasn't sure how much he should say but you know that Josh Hazelwood went away and developed a knuckleball so uh, when a batter sizes him up he's got some options he also has a couple of other slower balls so uh, you know kudos to Hazelwood for putting in that work I don't know if you noticed but I changed my avatar uh, now for this broadcast in memory of our fallen coach um so (laughs) was that uh, did you miss some punctuation in that sentence? Like it was like you're talking about Hazelwood, and suddenly you're talking about Langer. Did you even realise you switched topics? I just went from one point to another seamlessly. <laughs> yeah, just um, so everyone knows, that wasn't a bad edit. <laughs> just did that. It's like we um, cut out three minutes. <laughs> but, but then, um, I, yeah, I like your team for the World Cup, uh, Paul. Um, obviously, I agree with a lot of. I'm glad you've finally come round to Smith and Finch. It's taken a while, but. Eventually, people see my point of view. Um, no, no, wait, wait, with, say... with Smith, with Smith, I still don't forget in the World Cup, he, he won us, not necessarily won us, but he played an important little role when we beat Sri Lanka and when we beat South Africa. So I think it's been a real mistake him coming out in these games far too high when we needed the power hitters to come out. If he's going to be in the side, then he, he's in there for when, oh, geez, we need a 40 off 40 of a bloke who's got just more skills than others. I agree. And that's massive because that can happen. You get a slow wicket and it's a nightmare but if it's a uh, an absolute belter and they're confident then maybe he doesn't fit in the side or if he you know they've read the pitch wrong and it is a belter then he's got to slide down the order and come in at number eight or something i have loved watching josh inglis bat uh he's 48 in the second game was superb you know he only made 20 in his first appearance i think but he looked excellent what i like about inglis is a he looks like an international cricketer but um, i love the fluency at the crease the way he bats it's a very fluent pretty technique to watch he has all the shots so the whole field is open to him he doesn't seem like um, he can be tied down easily because he's got the, the reverse sweep and the flicks to go with the more conventional shots and i, I just think inglis looks like uh, something special. I mean, uh, maybe I'm deluded, but watching him bat in these last three games has been a revelation. I think the two can be, they're not mutually exclusive. He can be regarded as a real top international cricketer, but you could still be regarded as deluded. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Uh, But but I just like the way he's, um, at international level, he's playing exactly the way we've seen him play in, in other levels of cricket, so often a player gets to the top level and they can't replicate it. Well, I mean, I, I think that um, I think that's overdone. I think that people who can't replicate it at the top level 
are either um, not given enough opportunity usually or weren't as good as people thought. I think when you look at his record of 149 strike rate and an average of 31, that's a powerful, um, a powerful level. And I don't think the gap between international T20 cricket and franchise T cricket is so severe, so substantial that those figures won't hold true at the international level, much as I think with Tim David. I mean, his record's even better. He has a strike rate of 159, an average of 34. Uh, I just think they have to put him into the side. I guess a good IPL could really see David um, leap into the Australian side. Uh, what, what do you think then about Inglis Paul as a Gilchrist-style option in the test side? I mean, I mean, and I'm not knocking Kerry. I think Kerry's done nothing wrong, but I also don't think he'd lock down the spot. You know, Inglis to me seems like he could add a more dynamic element. I'm open to that, and I don't agree with people who say that you've got to give um, Carey a substantial go. I think you just pick your best 11. And if, if 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 we think that, no, actually, we've gone in the wrong direction and that Inglis is a better option, make the change tomorrow. All righty. Well, that was a wrap-up of the Australia versus Sri Lanka. Before that, well, yeah. just sorry, with, with, with regards to Tim David, I agree with you. It probably is going to come down to a, a, a big IPL to get him in there. I don't think it should be that. I think that it should be... Um, I think he should already be in the side. Yeah, I'm a big Tim David fan. I wasn't surprised to see him go for a big IPL price. I mean, he's been excellent in all the T20 competitions he's played around the world. Uh, yeah, I mean, I have no problem with him being given a crack in the Aussie squad eventually, I guess. No, no, I'm, I'm uh, like, I have a real problem that he's not in there now. And I've been saying this not just after he got the auction, but I mean, how is he not in the side now? His record's just unbelievable. Mm. So I guess you're saying Maxwell, David and Stoinis all in the same side. Yeah, why not? I mean, everyone's saying it's a power hitting game and we've, we've been lacking a bit of power hitting. Um, I, I think, you know, I, I really like my 11. I don't, um, I, I'm quite, um, I, I think it's a pretty good lineup. Yeah, I agree. I approve. All right. Well, that's good. Um, no, good stuff. Well, I mean, I think David's, you know, on the, the verge of pushing into the side. But I think the selectors will see him as a, an option maybe ahead of Stoinis. Well, I mean, I, I've, I've come around to Stoinis. I think that um, he's improved substantially. He's always had the power game, but I think he's more likely now to uh, come off more often than he used to. And he doesn't doesn't quite get marooned as much as before. But you might be right. But that's, that's an artificial thing that, that because they are potentially wedded to Finch and they feel like, oh, you know, Finch is our captain. We can't possibly not have him as the as the player. That's just nonsense. I mean, I agree. Finch seems like a really decent guy who'd be well respected by the team. As a tactician, he, he's okay. None of them are especially great. There's no need for him to be in the side purely for captaincy. I like him. I'd be more than happy for him to crack a couple of hundreds and get into great form and, and go into the World Cup and win this the World Cup. I'd have no problem with that. I'm just saying right now, tomorrow, if I had to pick my best 11 for the World Cup final, I can't have him in there. I'd certainly have if him I very had to close. If I the best 11 for the last World Cup, he's not in there. Well, I'm probably the same. Yeah, you're probably right. Like, I, I, guess- I is astonishing to me that we keep picking Finch just because he. Just because you want, sorry, Jaleesa? Anyway, uh, Paul, I was going to say, um, who's captain of your 11 that you picked for the World Cup? There's no captain named. Yeah, I, got it. I don't care. Maybe Agar. 
<laughs> well, no, I mean, I suppose. I mean, you could be, wait to do it. It would be Cummins, I suppose. Um, it would it would make sense for him to be the captain. Although, um, in terms of I don't certain, think he wants it. oh, he'd take it. Um, you know, for the World Cup, just say captain for the World Cup, and that's it. Of course, he'd take it. Um, but I think in terms of um, his spot in the side, he's bowled pretty well. But um, you know, I think that. Even Cummins, I'm not 100% sure he's in my first 11 all the time. And let's let's see how things pan out between now and the World Cup. Because another one that hasn't been given enough bowling is Maxwell. Maxwell bowled about two overs for eight runs in this series. Um, I think that the spin in Australia, as is as is proven from time, from every big bash, you want to err on the side of spin. And when you've got absolute quality fast bowlers, as is the case with Hazelwood, and, and certainly Cummins as well, then, then they, they force their way in too. But... Um, yeah, I think Cummins would be the captain in, in that side, but I don't really care. I think any of them could do it. Warner. Warner could do it. All righty. Well, let's get on to the cricket headlines brought to you by Piccolo Podcasts. The first headline is poor Will Bukowski has suffered another concussion. He was subbed out of a Sheffield Shield match over the weekend. And, uh, yeah, his um, career um, seems to be in um, – you know, there seems to be some question marks around his career. Pete Lawler, our, our great friend from cricket, etc., um, you know, wrote an article saying that he thinks maybe Will Bukowski has to retire. Um, yeah, I guess it's just a sad story over around. Jaleesa, you kick us off. Well, yeah, it is a really sad story, but I do hate, um, and it's Pete Lawler's job, so um, probably not him as much, but I really hated the reaction on Twitter straight away where everyone was like, he's got to retire, he's got to retire, this is done. It's just like, well, hang on a second. We're talking about someone's, first of all, career, but also like we're commenting on their medical status. Like it just felt icky to me. I was just like, let's just, you know, report the facts. He's had another concussion and... It was just all the Twitter, like the barrage of Twitter comments that were coming and going, oh, he shouldn't have played again and he, he can't handle it. And also such dumb comments about his technique, like, oh, needs to improve on his technique, blah, blah, blah. And again, it's just people firing off and it really annoyed me because I was like, hang on, this is someone's life. Like you, everyone just take a step back, calm down, be sad for him, of course, but he doesn't need to work on his technique. He was hit with a soccer ball. So why don't we just have a look at the facts and just take a breath? Because I just feel like this poor person who has admitted <clears throat> before that mental health has been um, impacted by this, these concussions. He's been really open about it. I just hated all the commentary around it and I feel terribly sorry for him and I hope that not necessarily we see him again. I hope that he does whatever is best for him. Yeah, I agree. And I think that it's surely we can trust that he'll be getting the very best medical advice. And if he does come back to play, it is because they have said it is okay for his long-term health. And that's the big thing that um, uh, the, the notion that he has to retire because people think, you know, for, for whatever reason, internally, we've now clicked to a point where we think it's him uh, reached that level Let's let's see what the the medical experts say. There's talk that he needs an extended break. I, I would just say you go to the best um, brain specialists, which I'm sure he's doing. Get the information and go from there. Another thing I found slightly disappointing was hearing Sean Graff, the boss of Victorian cricket, saying that another thing that Bukowski had to think about was that his impact on the on of his concussions on the Victorian side, and he pointed out how it caused a lot of disruption to the start of their second innings. They were two for none pretty quickly, <sighs> and then also. 
that they then have to have a concussion sub on hand all the time if he's playing. It's like I feel like saying, oh, I hope that's not. I hope he sort of said that unthinkingly because it's not Pukowski's fault. He obviously fault. has. Like no one who is thinking could have said that. Well, I mean, it's not Pukowski's fault, and um, these days they've got plenty of concussion subs around in because of COVID anyway, and they'll always have a spare batter around. And quite frankly, if you know, Victoria's job is to produce Australian cricketers. If in doing, if giving Pukowski every chance to one day play for Australia, that occasionally disrupts the preparation um, uh, for the Victorian side. I cannot emphasise how much I do not care about that. I could not care less about how any state goes, including New South Wales, uh, up against the performance of the national side. Pukowski should be given every chance, as long as the medical experts say it's safe to play, um, you know, he should be given every chance to play. But also take his teammates into a room and say to them, all right, Will wants to play, but, you know, it means we've got to have a concussion sub. And just if he does get concussed, it'll be a bit disruptive for a few minutes. Do you think any of those players are going to go, oh, well, we don't want him to play? No, they want to see their mate play and they want to see their mate well. That was stupid comments. Also, the reason they were two for none is that obviously they were two for none. Like, you can't blame the um, the preparation. Like you walk out and bat in a Sheffield Shield game. You're focusing on the ball. You're entitled to succeed if you're any good. <clears throat> yeah, uh, yeah. I found the questions around Pukowski's technique, like you, Jaleesa, are annoying because this time he kicked a volleyball into his face. Um, and I mean, most his of his kicks- volleyball might be under question. Yes, exactly. Maybe he shouldn't be playing whatever that game. Volleyball, head <laughs> ball, or whatever. Um, but uh, he also. For his sort of between 10 and 13 concussions, the number, there seems to be some debate about it. I think about half of them have been incidents had nothing to do with batting. So it's just an unfortunate set of circumstances. Uh, I did hear Sean Graff saying that, you know, perhaps Pekofsky needs to go away now for a couple of years and just take a long break from the game and, and give himself some real time to recover. And, look, he's only 24, I think, so... He does actually have a bit of time up his sleeve, um, but like you two, it's just a personal decision and a, a sad situation. And I do hope we see him back playing for Australia if he's physically able to because he is a super talent. Yes, yeah, so And also, also if that, he that, wants to, like it's just at this point now where maybe he's going, you know, I, d- I don't want my life disrupted all the time. We don't know. But if he does, good for him. And, um, yeah, I just hope, again, he does the, what's best for him. Plus, with the whole notion of everyone saying, like, oh, maybe he needs a two-year break, that's that's like a, a plausible thing to say. But maybe a medical expert would say that's just nonsense, that the difference between a two-month break and a two-year break is zero. So all these people are pining without the, the, the necessary knowledge is a bit of a concern, as Jaleesa said before. What about the duty of care of Cricket Australia and Cricket Victoria to protect him from himself? So both of you follow rugby league, I know, a lot closer than I do, you know, there are former players who, you know, clearly documented their mental and physical struggles as a result of repeated concussions. You know, where does where does it get to the point where Cricket Australia and Cricket Victoria have to step in and say, we actually can't pick you in 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 it, we just can't do it. Well, the interesting yeah, thing is- that's an interesting like it's an interesting question I, I, because I, I see where you're coming from, men, is because they have to protect themselves as well in terms of not that I'm saying like Perkovsky would go and, um, you know, do lawsuits or anything like that, but um, that's what uh, a lot of um, sports around the world, just speaking more generally, not just 
not in specific to Pukowski, have begun to guard against. They they have very strict protocols and um, at rugby league has really focused on it in the last couple of years. So I, I see what you mean. It could The decision could maybe be taken out of his hand, but also not just from a legal point of view because they just don't want to see somebody go through that from a human, all the from a human point of view like yeah from a human point of view because um i remember interviewing peter valandis about this on the um on changes that were being made to concussion in rugby league and there was all this debate and uproar about it and he said i don't want to send players home after a career at 35 year old years old without all their faculties mm-hmm. he yeah, said I don't for 95 percent of our audience peter valandis is in charge of the nrl and heavily, people want him in charge of the cricket. <laughs> <laughs> and for- um, but yeah, it's it's just and concussion in general is just taken. Even if you're not a sports person, like I, um, I got a concussion three years ago, um, running actually to interview David Warner, and I fell over and I smacked my head at the airport on a sign, and I just kept going, and then all day I just was not myself. And I decided to go to the hospital the next day, uh, the doctors the next day, because I actually had a cut on my leg from it as well that needed stitches, and I just left it for a whole day because I couldn't be bothered. And then the doctor said to me, you've had a concussion, and they were just so serious about it. They were like, you can't go back to work for a week. You can't do this. you got to lie in this dark room. Don't look at your phone. Don't look at the TV. And I was just like, oh, my goodness. I reckon I had three concussions as a, as a kid, and I just sort of got up and kept going. It's true. Um, it's it's funny how we don't consider the brain to be of importance. Like we feel groggy and it's a, a bit of a laughing thing, but feeling groggy like that is the equivalent of blood pouring out of a, of a flesh wound. You know, you would never take that lightly, but I think we all have been prone to take concussions lightly. I think that as far as his um, not being wanting to, to see someone put through that, that still must come down to what the experts say and also what the, the player yeah. himself feels. Because at the, at the end of the day, if the experts say it's safe for him to play, but Cricket Australia say, oh, we just don't want to, we can't stomach it. And they say you can't play. Well, that that could be even much more devastating mentally to him because then his career is taken away from him not wanting it to be. But I think that it has to come down to um, that if he if he plays, it's because the experts say it's safe for him to play. But the other thing, and men, as I know you hated the article when it was written, but it, it comes down to that um, that point that Malcolm Knox raised, that at least at least in rugby league, it's illegal to attack the head. And that's the first thing they can say about safety, that if a, if a player is attacked in the head, it is um, a penalisable offence and very seriously so. In cricket, uh, a bouncer at the head is le- it's celebrated. It's it's the only non-combat sport that it's legal to do so. And that's, um, you know, he made the prediction that in years to come, the bouncer might be outlawed and everyone scoffed at him. But it, it, it's a point that's worth reconsidering. I agree. I actually think in 20 years' time, I would not be surprised if we look back and go, how did we allow bouncers? I agree. Not that I'm saying, oh, we should ban them tomorrow or anything, but I do think it'll be one of those things where we look back and go, geez, that was a bit rare. Absolutely. I'm not sure. I think just helmets will get better. Um, uh, and just, Paul, on your last point on Pekoski, I, I just I have concerns that it won't be so sort of black and white that they'll give sort of him a risk assessment and then it'll be up to him to decide you know whether he takes it or not but look I just hope um he's okay you know he's a super talent and um sad news all right moving on um just a quick one but George Bailey said a couple of weeks ago that if any player 
in the Australian squad selected to Pakistan either pulls out or gets COVID or gets injured and can't go. The four reserves are Matty Renshaw, Nick Madison, Sean Abbott and Mark Steckety. Now, Paul, I know you're a big Madison fan in particular. Good to see Renshaw and Madison, you know, close to the squad. Yeah, really happy, um, especially for Madison. He got that um, 80-odd not out in the Shield game just the other day and I just love that he gets on with the job. I think he's a really exciting player and, and a quality player as well. Um, I, I always still think that Maxwell is someone that you, you would want in a subcontinental tour, but he did say on the radio, on the TV coverage last night, that he had already pulled out of the Pakistan tour. Now, mainly that would have been talking about the one day, but it would have also by extension meant that he was unavailable for the tests because of his wedding. So he still hopes that he can get the included for a subcontinental tour, either to Sri Lanka or India going forward. So I still think that – I just I look at someone like Marcus Harris and say, I cannot believe he's in an Australian side going to Pakistan and, and Glenn Maxwell isn't. I mean, there's just – the gulf between those two is unbelievable. Um, you know, Harris doesn't bowl, isn't as good a fielder. Um, Maxwell's a good handy bowler and a better batter uh, and a more aggressive batter. Just because he's got a nominally an opening batter next to his narc, I mean, may, maybe Maxwell should say, I'm now an opening batter as well. And everyone go, oh, okay, then maybe we can consider him. Yeah, it's a shame Maxwell wasn't available. Um, they probably would have picked him. You reckon? Yeah, I think so. I think he would have gone close. George Bailey didn't rule it out. I mean, we'll never know. Um, hope his wedding goes well, though. I would have uh, cancelled the wedding. And if oh, I yeah, AB, AB would never have done that. No, no, no. I'm not saying in terms of being sort of, oh, oh you know, yesterday everyone was really tough. I'd just be from a pragmatic point of view. Um, if it was me or if it was my partner, I'd be saying... I don't want this wedding to get in the way of something that potentially could be worth millions and millions of dollars and uh, the, the difference between a, a very good career and a great career. Um, yeah, but of... hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Here we go. Hang on. I'm going to advocate the opposite here. I'm going to advocate the opposite. I'm not much of a wedding person, obviously. I'm not married, but I'm, the difference between delaying your wedding for a year at the moment could actually be not having it because we, we don't know what the hell's happening. And also the difference between delaying your year at any point might mean that some of your relatives aren't there. Like there are bigger things than cricket. I know, I know it's hard to believe. I know I'm shocked too, but someone pointed it out to me once. No, but I'm saying in terms of, oh, obviously it's their decision. They've made that's good on them and they can do whatever they want. I'm saying if it was me, and take cricket completely out of it. Take any opportunity. If it was whatever field that you want to be um, successful in, I would always say that the the opportunity to have great success in that field is um, much more substantial than whether Uncle Norm turns up to the wedding or not. Well, well, I'm glad Julissa was here to balance that discussion out. Now, the next headline: the um, IPL auction. Let's start at the bottom. Nathan Ellis um, was bought for one hundred thirty-nine five hundred thousand Aussie dollars, approximately. He was the the lowest paid Australian, but still a great payday for him. Um, and then going right through to Tim David at the top for the Mumbai Indians, over one and a half million Australian dollars. Some of the Aussie players did go for a bit less than last time. Pat Cummins, a couple of million less. David Warner, big discount there. Daniel Sams went for almost half a million Australian dollars. Matthew Wade, uh, almost half a million as well. Um, so ter terrific stuff for those players. Uh, Smith was overlooked and Adam Zampa and uh, Kane Richardson were overlooked, which might be a surprise from the outside. But I heard Kane Richardson saying 
on the radio today that, um, you know, when he and Zampa left the IPL early last year, they kind of said to each other, this could affect our uh, future in the IPL going forward. Um, so, so no real surprise. And also the Aussies can't join the IPL at the beginning of the tournament, which is why the prices might be a bit down because of the Pakistan tour. But any great surprises for you, I guess, Jaleesa, to start? Uh, no, I think everyone was a little bit surprised about um, Steve Smith that um, he wasn't uh, taken up. But I think um, I wasn't. what people sort of, oh, well, what people sort of missed there, I wasn't either, because what people sort of missed there is that like the starting, so the reserve is like 300 and something thousand. So um, it's not like, because some people say, oh, but this fellow went for like, you know, 80 Australian dollars, 80,000 80, and uh, Steve Smith couldn't even get sold. I'm like, no, 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 because his reserve is high. I think people miss that. I think they think that they start at zero. Um, they do start so at half that on the second day if they want. Yeah, right. So I wasn't, I wasn't actually surprised either. But uh, no, no, no real surprises um, for me. I, um, it was quite funny in Pat Cummins' press conference a few, I think it was like ten days ago now or something, when um, after he was talking about knifing Langer. I'm I'm joking, mm. obviously. Um, just enjoy, just indulging manners for a second. Um, <laughs> but when he was talking about that, somebody asked him about the IPL auction, and he didn't know when it was. And I yeah. just thought, isn't that great? Wouldn't you love to know? Wouldn't you love to just be so good at what you do and just living life and just really killing it out there that you don't know when you're going to earn a million dollars? Like, if I'm about to earn. Over a million dollars. I'm a, I'm I've after paid everything. Like I need that money coming in now because I've things are building up. In England, they have uh, what they call the GCSEs, which is kind of their we would call it the school certificate. I think here, like sort of year ten, not all that important subjects that you either get or you don't get. And on a panel show on Would I Lie to You, they had Emma Thompson on, and I think and she was talking about um, that she'd won two Oscars and she couldn't remember what she'd won the second Oscar for. And one of the panelists said, oh. I remember every single GCSE that I got. How could you not remember which Oscar <laughs> you got? <laughs> oh, that is a great show. I love that show. That's the best. Uh, um, I thought that um, the, um, what was I going to say? Uh, one thing about the Tim David auction was six different franchises bidded uh, or bid at various different points. So that's um, six out of 10 showed interest. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, our listener Pritam sent in a message. I want to know how IPL franchises' minds work at the auction table. And look, Pritam, it's pretty hard for me to answer that. But, you know, having spoken to you know, Barrett Sunderason and Gav Joshi, who cover the IPL quite closely, they, they've often said that the IPL franchises look for the gaps that the local Indian players can't um fill so there's a lot of spinners um obviously coming out of mm, india okay. a lot of batters a lot of batters coming out of india but you'll often see all-rounders and fast bowlers um you know as, as two sort of prime assets and you, you kind of see that in in the, the prices here um i guess warner's a top order batter so that kind of goes against that but the rest are all bowlers or all-rounders um so yeah I, I think that's some indication of what they look at Airspeed. They love airspeed. Um, yeah. Yeah, they sometimes overrate the importance of the big, tall quicks as well. I sometimes look at the ones that do go compared to the ones that don't and think they've kind of taken it a bit too much. Like Nathan Coulter-Nile, good cricketer, but, I, I, you know, 
not someone that I'd be um, lining up to get, nor would I be lining up to get uh, Riley Meredith, to be to be quite frank, or even Nathan Ellis. I think that they're good bowlers, but I'd prefer others. I think there's a bit of disturbance on the line. I'm not sure what, but it's it's um, is there a reverb reverb that you guys are hearing? No, just a slight one. Probably I'm not hearing any. Um, all right, next headline, John Townsend article on Justin Langer not being paid by Cricket Australia. So an article on the um, Sport FM website um, that, you know, Justin Langer quit his post early, so maybe there's some dispute going on about whether Cricket Australia will pay him till his contract was due to finish in May. Uh, I would suggest Cricket Australia just pay it out in good faith, but it's hard when you resign so publicly, because I know, say, if it's a, a non-public forum, someone may come in and resign in a huff and you go, well, look, let's just forget that. Take take the next two months off. We'll pay your contract and then, you know, thanks for everything. But it's a bit hard when the resignation letter is so public. Yeah, I'm not bothered either way. I mean, I think that you can argue that they're a professional industry, you know, that why pay Langer the last couple of months when they can put the money to other use? Um, but I can see your point in as well. I'm... Pretty relaxed either way. Coming from um, heavily doing rugby league journalism, like they just pay coaches out left, right and centre. So I just, it was just assumed for me that they would pay him, even though he like probably there's a legal argument there. But I mean, I don't know, just pay it and move on. Very interesting story was shared by Michael Vaughan to Tom Morris on the Follow On podcast uh, that uh, some English journalists were at a bar in Tasmania and they overheard Pat Cummins and Andrew McDonald and some other players that weren't named talking about who should replace Langer and obviously the implication, you know, they're basically talking about getting rid of Langer and, you know, I think it was Nick Holt and Ali Martin uh, was sitting at the, the next table and overheard the whole conversation and Michael Vaughan uh, gave some advice to Pat Cummins if you're going to have those conversations don't do it in a pub. I thought that was a really interesting story. I, I can sort of see why the Aussie players and McDonald got gazumped because some of the English journalists, they just blend into the Australian uh, fashion. Like they're in the thongs and the shorts and the T-shirts. So you just think there's some blokes having a beer at the other table. But I found that story incredible. Did Holt or Martin actually publish it though? I was looking through yeah, their so feeds. Apparently they did. Apparently they did publish articles that, um, yeah, that, you know, gave up that, that information that Cummins wanted. Bayless is the next coach. Well, Pat mm. Cummins, I know how you feel because this week I was at a press conference and I didn't realise the ABC were taking it live before the press conference, which I was there because one of the rugby league bosses were there and Dominic, it was the day ABC were taking it live because it was Dominic Perrottet and they took it live a little bit too early and I didn't realise I was standing right near the microphones having a conversation about my workplace. Oh, wow. What but, did he say? What did he say? So I actually said good things, which was which was remarkable. I didn't get myself in any trouble at all. <laughs> um, so, but this lady from New South Wales Health came screaming over to me, and she said, "I just want to let you know, like my colleague has texted me to let you know, let the girl in the white dress know everyone can hear her on ABC." <laughs> but I was like, oh, "I was fine because it was actually an old cameraman at Channel Nine that I know came up to me and asked me how Channel Ten's going, and I said, "Oh, it's great, you know, it's really good." And I said good things both about Nine and Ten. <laughs> so, well, you're so lucky. If that was me, I'd be in so much. 
much trouble. <laughs> oh my god, the amount of people I've told that story to, and they've been like, "Oh, I would have lost my job," <laughs> or like in various industries. I was just like, "Oh, ten's great," you know. I miss everyone at nine, and blah blah blah. And obviously, thank good. Well, it was very nice of the person who had realized and was listening and realized I was talking about my former workplace and my new workplace to stop it before I said anything. But I wasn't actually going to say anything bad. So Pat Cummins, I know how you feel. I got uh, we got I got caught on a hot mic commentating in the cricket a couple of weeks ago. I did a pre-recorded toss and then went and back to you, Jack. And then it goes to a blank uh, screen and Jack goes to me, "Hey, Menace, let's get a selfie." Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't bad. It was just funny. Um, uh, alrighty. One other thing on a hot mic. Oh, did yeah. you see? Um, yeah. Nasanka got fined. Um, he, he was so funny. He had, had a big swipe at one, missed it, and um, audibly, I, I won't say it so we don't have to delete it, audibly screamed out the F word, just pure as pure as the driven snow, it came through the air. And Matthew Wade's reaction was, hang on. It was like, that was a bit naughty. And I, was, I just thought it was really funny. I wonder if Wade would say that, one of the more saltier Australian yeah. cricketers. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think a few F-bombs got through on the last podcast, Paul, so I wouldn't worry so much. And I think 2022, like, this this podcast should go blue if we want to swear, fuck it. Um, <laughs> um, all right, next headline. Uh, so domestic cricket's kicked off in Australia. Uh, so basically they're going to sort of try and play the rest of the Shield in the March Cup. Queensland is scheduled to play nine matches, Tasmania and South Australia eight, New South Wales, Victoria and Western Australia will play seven Shield fixtures. Uh, that's in total. And then they will uh, do an a, a, a average number of points per game to determine the ladder. Um, so I guess that's the best they can do. Western Australia are out for a while because of their border. And again, with the March Cup, They'll do something similar. Um, and as the ladders stand, Western Australia are on top of the Marsh Cup, uh, followed by New South Wales, Queensland, Tasmania, Victoria and South Australia. And in the Sheffield Shield, Western Australia are on top of that ladder as well, with Queensland second, Tasmania third, Victoria fourth, New South Wales fifth and South Australia sixth. I have to read too much into the ladder because Victoria played three matches and the teams above them have all played five so really, it's um, going to be um, yeah interesting following the rest of the Shield season. Um, yesterday there was a one-day game. Marcus Harris made a ton. So I know Paul doesn't rate him, but he does take some form going to Pakistan. I don't rate Wales. him. I just I just don't rate him as highly as I rate Maxwell. Mm. Um, New South Wales had a terrific road trip up north to play their bitter rivals, the Cockroaches. Um, New South uh, Wales are the Cockroaches, champ. Oh, they always get that wrong. Oh my uh, so God. they went up. And- they, they played the Cane Toads, that's it, the Maroons, and, and won on, the mate. Shield match in, in incredible circumstances. That was, I think, eight down when they chased down a low total. The Baby Blues, a very young side, and, and quite a moving story. Young player Ryan Hackney made his debut in that game, and his father passed away two weeks ago of a heart attack at the age of 49. Oh. Uh, quite suddenly, I heard he had the booster the day before. Um, so it's a really sad story. And hey, two no, weeks- the booster didn't imp- – I don't think you can implicate the booster. No, no, but that's what I heard. That's the story I was given. I'm just—I know, but um, I, I don't think that's. Yeah, I don't. I, I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I mean, I've said it a million times on this program. Um, uh, but just a really sad story, and you know, great to see him make his debut. But tough circumstances. Um, 
But yeah, then New South Wales won uh, the 50 over game on Monday when uh, Daniel Hughes contracted COVID. So Jason Sanger had to step up as the skipper for New South Wales. So just really gutsy from a very young, inexperienced side to get two wins on the road um, against Queensland. Jason Sanger and I um, caught up a couple of times during the season. Um, He's such a great leader. I think he's got a huge potential and just a player to watch in the next two years. I think he's an impressive character, was an Australian under-19 skipper and just keep an eye on him. You've always got on well with him, haven't you? Absolutely. We we actually spoke about that. I asked him some questions after a Thunder game and he took them the wrong way, basically because we were shouting at each other through masks from about three metres away. And it just he just got the wrong impression. But I actually caught up with him at a, at a fixture recently and it smoothed it over. As I said, 2022 is about smoothing things over. Like I've asked <laughs> Doug Bollinger on the podcast podcast because he's a great guy and I want to give him a chance to make up for the terrible interview he did. You know, 2022 oh is about change and, you know, building new relationships. Um, and Jason Sang is in that. What did you two think of um, New South Wales performances? I think that it shows, again, that everyone who says, oh, you know, the New South Wales mafia, well, Take eight of our top players out, and we still win. Um, mm-hmm. There's a reason. There's a reason that New South Wales isn't so many. Uh, so many New South Wales players are in the Test side, and that is that we have a third of the population. <laughs> I thought it was a great win. It was. Um, it was controversial towards the end because that eighth wicket fell, and they still needed ten. And then there was another wicket that should have fallen. There was a run out given, not out, and it was. It, it was run out. It, it was um, Tremaine, I think it was. It was out by um, about thirty centimeters, twenty centimeters. Um, so. Can't really blame the umpire because they can't use the the technology, but that could have made it very interesting. I've got no um, intelligent um, analysis to add because I didn't watch and because there was just so much else going on. So, um, But agree with Paul on the first part about taking out all the players and they still win. And do you agree with me being nice for 2022, Jaleesa? Uh, look, there's not, you're being nice, but you're being spicy nice. <laughs> you've, you're a little bit spicy men as still. Like you're, Maybe. you're like when you, when you select mild and you're like, hang on, that's not mild. That's what you are at the moment. <laughs> All righty. Now we've got a question. One, one last Mark. thing on the, um, on the shield that there, there's a, a lot of people saying, is one shield game for some of these red ball players enough before they go to Pakistan? I'd, I'd make the argument that COVID pr- pr- protocols aside, and you don't want the players to get, you know, too much fatigue. But if they're up for it, I'd be sending all the the test players to Pakistan as soon as possible because I think that our biggest chance of winning in Pakistan is to get as much preparation on Pakistan pitches as we can. And if you're going to play a, a red ball shield game in Australia, you'd be b- much better off um, playing against a Pakistan president eleven in Pakistan. Agree. All right. Now let's get into the viewer mail. We've got about seven or eight minutes left before we're going to run out of time. So let's go rapid fire. We'll start with Martin Lawrence who's watching live. And this is on my notes. Did you see the idea of the BBL being maybe 12 teams? If that's true, most ridiculous cricket idea I've ever heard. The league is struggling now. Add four. now add four teams. Do we have the plays or the interest? That's from Martin. Just for context, the reason they're thinking about that is they want to cut the number of rounds of the competition, but they've also got a TV deal where they have to deliver a certain amount of games. So I think that the idea being they could cut the number of rounds, add the two teams and still service their two TV deal and therefore not have to offer a discount. Thoughts? I don't really oh, like they, it. It's terrible. Go on, Paul. Sorry. No, you go, you go, you go. 
Oh, no, I was just saying, I just think it's terrible. I think there's just not enough. Well, I mean, we saw it, we saw um, this year that it was just, we were really lacking a lot of talent. So I think if they could fix all of the that first and then expand to 12 teams so that you're not, you know, draining the talent pool, I, I think that was the biggest problem. But I just think it's a ridiculous idea. And I think that it doesn't solve the problem either. And certainly for new teams, I mean, every team that goes into the Gold Coast in every sport really struggles. The Batuta, article, the Batuta Advocate had a funny article the other day saying, did you know there's actually a Gold Coast AFL team? And they explained that, you know, you'll get credence down the pub that you can actually know this obscure piece of trivia that obviously there's been one there for 10 years. Um, I think that, that if they're going to try to trick the TV companies, that's a silly group of people to try to trick. You know, yeah. <laughs> what are they going to do? We're... we're... <laughs> TV companies aren't stupid. Um, so I think that um, what I think needs to happen is just once the Sydney test is done, it's got to be Big Bash takes over. There's no white ball internationals. Every Australian player is available. We splash the cash to get the big star players from elsewhere down here. And I think the Big Bash would suddenly recover much of its lost luster if that was done. Awesome. Next question, uh, Hurakesh Panda. Why is Stark still in the team with no performance? Because the name is big so he can continue. Time for a young, consistent bowler to develop who can coordinate well with Hoff and Cummins. Thanks to Hoff that he can save the final. Otherwise, Stark given 60 runs in the final. I mean, Paul, this is in your wheelhouse. Sounds like Warnie from November talking about the test side. Um, (laughs) Warnie, is that you? (laughs) I, I, I still... I haven't drawn a line through Stark in T20 cricket. I'll just say if I'm picking my best 11 at the moment, I don't think he's quite in it. But at his best, he's still dynamic. He hasn't had a – he's had a couple of disappointing T20s, including the final. But I still think he's in and around the squad. But at the moment, he's not on my best 11. All right. Next question, Tag Fisher. This is obviously to me. How much are you looking forward to the NRL season? Really looking forward to it. I'm going to be following – the ladders of both the AFL and NRL very closely this year. <laughs> question uh, to Manny. What was How much going are you on with that? To the, <laughs> to the NRL question. How much are you looking forward to the NRL, Manners? Oh, I'm really looking forward to I'm going to follow the AFL ladder closely. And the NRL, both. <laughs> I'm going to follow both. We'll watch the odd game. And, yeah, go the Chooks. My second team is the St. George Dragons. So, yeah, I'm, I'm lined up. I hate go to the tell Swans. you, Manners, but there's been a merger. There's been a merger. Yeah. Uh, the... Yeah, Dragons don't, don't fans not like that. <laughs> well, they will. I am a Dragons fan. Most of them don't want the merger. They want it to be coming. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, Man, so really what was that ridiculous bit of commentary that you tagged us in? I I couldn't <laughs> even. You you tried to use all these terms and stuff. I didn't even know what I was listening to. It was funny. All right, let's just pause. I'm going to put it in right now. Well, that's lofted mid-offs going back. It's going to be a tough catch. Oh, what a catch running back. The big fella had to make a lot of ground, number 12, and he snaffled it AFL style at the Sydney Cricket Ground. Sign him up for the Swans. That's it. Okay, so uh, there you go. I mean, you know, I'm at the SCG. The guy takes a great catch. I'm saying it's a great mark. I'm saying sign him up for the Swans. Problem is that you actually used cricket terminology, whereas which is yeah. nice because it was it was a game of cricket, and that's what annoys me about the um the Channel Seven commentators sometimes when they suddenly oh he's that's ball's gone high he's taking a specky in the forward pocket in front of the the home fans at the G and, and you think mate which which sport are you bloody well talking about you've done the opposite there he's always taking a great catch <laughs> I know yeah I, I know best. but that, that was the thing I was like what what do you yeah, like did you mean Mark I just didn't know where it was <laughs> I was like what are you tagging me. Anyway, look, Jaleesa, um, 
Yeah, I'll go back and listen to the tape from your commentary on Saturday night and give you some advice. Um, so the Prandial mess. Nice metas 2022. <laughs> I mean, good advice, good advice. Um, Spicy nice. Okay, Prandial Messi fan, uh, what's your opinion on the crowd for the second uh, Oz VT Sri Lanka T20 International at the SCG? It was just 6,305. Look, it was a disappointing crowd, but I will say Sydney feels dead at the moment. I mean, there's still COVID restrictions in place. There's still a work order saying if you can work from home, do so until the end nah, of February. No, 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 will not buy that. Was it the All-Stars? The yeah, the All-Stars is different. No, the in-south crowd was insane. It's not as convenient to get to out of Parramatta Stadium. It there is no excuse. Um, if we keep making excuses, the problem will never fix itself. There is absolutely no reason why that crowd shouldn't have been sold out. If it could have been sold out, because the All Stars killed it. They were. It was rainy. It was a terrible night. Miserable. Everyone was. The crowd was so energetic, and there was like. I don't know how many thousand people there, but the stadium was almost full. Uh, there was no, there's no excuse. No, but I think that that game, I watched that game. That game has so much passion and so much meaning and so much, there's been so, there's been no rugby league for five months. Um, I think mm-hmm. that with, with the cricket, this game meant nothing. There's been 47,000 games at the SCG during the summer. And it's just like people are in COVID times, they're not going to go to something like that. Now, when it's something that, that people are massively passionate about already, then I can see the the, the difference. I think that there's problems with cricket that, that there needs to be on free to air. It's a meaningless series and, and other things as well. The tickets are too expensive, but I think still the main reason for the low crowd has been COVID. All righty. Last listener mail. Then we're going to let Jaleesa go. Uh, this is from Benny. Time for bad manners to fire up over scheduling. Why on earth was a T20 match that's not on free-to-air starting at 7.30 p.m. on a Sunday night? I agree, Benny. Terrible timing. I love what they do in America for the baseball. They start a lot of games on Saturday and Sunday at 4 p.m. 4 p.m. Perfect. You can sleep in. You go there. You watch the, the baseball. You're home just after dinner. And it's a Sunday night. You're still ready for work the next day. Uh, it, it's just selfish. It's the TV being put first above the crowd. And the TV should be put first because that's people. You're, like, do you want less people watching the game? I want more people watching the game. I'd rather get a crowd of 6,000 and have um, an extra 200,000 watching on TV than a crowd of 12,000 and miss those 200,000 watching on TV because shows at 4 p.m. just don't rate. How are the ratings yeah. on Sunday? Pretty bad, I heard. Only a couple of yeah. hundred thousand yeah. watching. So that'd be better than exactly. that though at 4 p.m.? No, yeah. maybe not. Maybe a couple not. hundred thousand for a Foxtel-only game is probably quite good, actually. All righty. So, Jaleesa, I think you've got to go and interview some rugby league players. So I think Paul and I will wrap this one up without you. Oh, that's sad. But, yeah, I do have to go. I'm a pro. I'm not going to make you late for whoever it is. Um, but thank you for joining. <laughs> it's great to see, to, well, hear you again. Um, yes. And ho- hopefully, um, you know, the three of us can be together again weekly uh, going forward. I know. I was really emotionally prepared for this podcast to be a lot of um, you crying about Justin Langer. So I'm a little bit shocked we actually discussed <laughs> other things. Um, it was quite productive, <laughs> this meeting. Yeah, really. Justin Langer and I have connected on LinkedIn now. You're going to love this. And um, he's just a great guy. I mean, posting these moving stories about this. Poor young man suffering with cancer. I mean, Justin Lang has got a heart of gold. It's a, it's amazing how we just um, turfed him like that. Anyway. Absolutely um, no argument that he is a good person. 
Absolutely. Well, Julissa, thank you for joining us. Um, goodbye. Bye. Bye. All right, Paul, just you and me to bring this home. Um, we've got one more question. This is from Matthew. Why is the Marsh Marsh Cup and Sheffield Shield so poorly promoted? Uh, CA comments about the series restarting was diabolical. With cancelled New Zealand ODIs, a chance gone begging for an Australia v Australia A series and showcase some emerging players. A lot there. What do you think? It's an interesting point. I mean, they never really promote either. And I don't know what would happen if they did or why they don't. Um, yeah, I mean, they didn't really promote this series against Sri Lanka, <laughs> if they're being honest, given that so many people didn't know that it was on. Um, yeah, I, I don't know the answer to that. I don't know why they don't really make a concerted effort to uh, promote the Shield and the Marsh Cup. Uh, possibly they think that it's not really going to make a major difference to the number of people consuming it and that they can spend their money better elsewhere. Yeah, I don't know. I'm biased with this one. Yeah, I'm, I'm annoyed with the way the Shield's been run this season in the back house. So, yeah, let's just move on. I'm going to say something that gets me in trouble. Um, Stephen Matlock, how good is Maxie's... Uh, Maxie's punter tribute goatee. So I think Glenn Maxwell's uh, goatee now looks like punters used to do back in the nineties. What do you think? Yeah, there's quite a resemblance there. That you know, that the, the image of um, Ponding getting given LBW not given out LBW in his debut Test match when he wasn't out, um, um, and the way he looked then, there is certainly some similarity. It's quite funny. That was all the questions from the listeners. Thank you for either watching live or sending them in on Twitter beforehand. All right, it's the way we like to end all our shows. It's Can't Let It Go. I let Jaleesa go early, so um, she didn't have to um, say she doesn't have anything. So, Paul, what have you got? All right, I've got a couple. Um, firstly, um, I'm just amazed about the Broad and Anderson being dropped. They've been omitted from the tour of the West Indies for, for the England side, and it seems as though it's just purely because of succession planning. And I think Michael Atherton expressed it well the other day on radio. He said that unless there's a really good reason not to pick your best 11 to win the next test match and let the future take care of itself. There's this crazy notion that unless you manage these players out of the side, suddenly you'll be left bare when they're gone. You'll only be left bare when you're gone if there are no replacements. And if there are no replacements adequately good enough, then whether you, move them out of the side a few months earlier or a few months later is not going to make any difference. Uh, Australia always talks about Australia having Chapel, Marsh and Lily retiring at the same time. And this caused a huge problem. And I always say, well, what do you want? Should they have in the past gone back and said to Dennis Lilly, you should stop a, a year earlier so that we can um, bring Carl Rackham into the side more quickly. It's not going to make any difference. Um, so th that's a bit bizarre from England. Um, my second one, always my bugbear, this notion, we saw it the other night as well, where, if it's more than three and three point oh five meters, uh, the impact, then it's going to be umpire's call when the, the the ball is sent up when the review is sent upstairs. And I just think this is the stupidest thing ever, where they say, "Well, we're not so sure about the technology's predictive capacity beyond three meters, but we're really bloody sure of a middle-aged man seeing it once and guessing um, at real speed." Like it's just if if the technology is maybe slightly less good at predicting from that distance out, which I don't think it is. Surely the human seeing it once is even worse at predicting it. That's when you need it even more. Um, so just get rid of that rule. That's something that bothers me. And lastly, is, is, just, is it just me or is Warney now actively supporting Sri Lanka? Like he was just cheering <laughs> Sri Lanka on. I think he's um, blaming Mitchell Stark for getting rid of Langer for some reason. And it's quite amazing. Like he, the, the excitement that he's showing when Sri Lanka look like they're competing. Um, 
And uh, that moment when in the second game there was a, a, a fire alarm went off briefly at the SCG and bam, bam, bam. He's always at a no ball. Is it a no ball? Um, and no, no, Warnie, it's not a no ball. That's not the, the noise that we use. We don't use any noise. Um, it was quite, quite stark, I thought, how, um, pardon the pun, how much he was supporting Sri Lanka. <laughs> I mean, all good points. I agree with you on Broad and Anderson and the LBW rule. And I, I do think Warney sometimes lets his agendas get the better of him. And mm. it's a shame because, you know, the Stark ones, he's making a muppet of himself. And I actually don't mind him cheering for Sri Lanka because I think actually this series needed a Sri Lankan win early to get some life into it. Um, so, yeah. Uh, no, no. If he, was, if he was cheering for Sri Lanka for those reasons, I'd be all behind him. But cheering for Sri Lanka because, by extension, he wants Australia to lose now so that they can say, oh, you made the wrong decision, getting rid of <laughs> Justin Langer, a bloke, a bloke he doesn't especially love, just so you can then say, ah, Stark, you, you know, you, you're the one in the wrong and you New South Wales blokes. So it just seems like a long, you know, you're right. He's letting his agenda get the better of him there. Oh, I've got three can't let it go. Um, the first one is Ashton Agar said yesterday that he hasn't been home since April last year. So I just, you know, I really, uh, everyone's had a tough run through COVID, but I just think it's worth remembering. You know, that's a long time to be away from home. Um, yep. The next one is uh, listening to the great cricket, etc. yesterday. Love Pete Lawler and Gideon. They are incredible. Like they do a, ripping podcast but you hear four ads for the ashes series just gone which made me laugh um so um i couldn't let that go and but i mean what are are they meant to do like if if that's the sponsorship if the sponsors are willing to pay for it um then who cares plus they're advertising foxtel's 4k capacity that lingers on beyond the ashes i think it's absolutely fine yeah it's not a big deal i'm just like if you've got the two the country's two most leading cricket journalists doing an amazing podcast. Why waste your listeners' time with four ads for a series that's already been done? That's all. Um, I just want them to succeed. And, um, you know, you know, I would recommend everyone listen to that and this show and you'll, you'll need to know everything you need to know about Australian cricket. Um, uh, but, you know, why, Paul, because I care about them. That's all. I really care about them <laughs> and I want the show to do well. And, you know, Pete Lawler's, you know, mused about why his show hasn't been nominated for awards, um, just helping out. And, and the last one is, um, you know, my last can't let it go is that it, it's no surprise that cricket at New South Wales keep producing wonderful cricketers. On Monday, I commentated on the the Men's Plan B Regional Bash Finals Day, which is uh, basically the regional areas of New South Wales play a T20 competition. I think there's 16 male teams and eight female teams. And then the top four play a finals day, the women at North Sydney Oval last week and then the men's this week. And so four teams come down, they play the semifinals and the final that night. And and to me, that is just doing wonders for cricket in this state because those four teams will never forget it. Their families will never forget it. They will all be won over by cricket. And uh, I think, you know, it builds, you know, love for the game. And cricket in New South Wales so easily in the last two years with COVID could have been something like that and, you know, cheapened the day or or done something different. But they, they did it. And I just think that builds cricket in this state. And you know, cricket in New South Wales do an exceptional job with those kind of things. Excellent. Well said. All righty. Well, Paul, um, thank you for joining me on Cricket Unfiltered. Um, Thanks, everybody that's listened. Follow us on socials. Subscribe. Tell your friends. 2022, it's going to be a big year. And if you get a chance, please do vote for us in the World Podcast Sports Awards. Just Google them 
Uh, follow the links. It's quite difficult, I think, um, for some. Others have found it easier, but you'll have a bit of fun trying to work out how to vote for us. <laughs> Please do. Yeah, I'll put, I'll put the links in the show notes. If you can do that, that'd be much appreciated. But thanks for all the support over the last year. And, you know, hope you stick with us for 2022. Bye. Bye. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving at your desk, maybe at the gym, but you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.